Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland Town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. It's so polluted that all our fish have AIDS. We see the sun almost three times a year. This guy has at least two DUIs. The flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down in East Cleveland or you'll die. Our economy's based on LeBron James. Buy a house for the price of a VCR. Our main export is crippling depression. We're so retarded that we think this is art. It could be worse though, at least we're not Detroit. We're, We're not Detroit. Detroit. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a big show. We got our little do a little preview of the Browns game, our guys to watch. We got Dan Duggan, and we got to talk about the trades the Giants have made. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, I'm a little disheveled uh, coming from the you Bronx. You said that word like nine times tonight. Well, that's, well, we technically just started recording. So I said it to the Patreon to let them know I'm disheveled. And now I'm saying it to you, and I'm saying it to everybody. That I am disheveled. I'm coming from the Bronx, rushed home because the studio there wasn't working for me, and I am disheveled. Now I've said it seventeen thousand times. Uh, I am happy. We're probably not. We we don't usually talk about practice because we're not there and we're not getting a lot of clips. But I am happy that the Giants, in general as a team, looked pretty decent today. That areas in which we were worried about offense and pass rush, pass rush apparently looked good. And the Giants' offense apparently looked pretty decent today. And that has me feeling really good. That has me getting through this day. How are you? I'm good. My eyes are messing with me, man. I need to stop looking at screens. Tough. Um, Freaking this generation. It's like my eyes are just like burning for some reason. Tough life for us. Like I was in a chlorine pool. Um, This episode was brought to you by Michael Kelly, who Mm. he owns and operates Kelly Ford in Melbourne, Florida off US-1. Justin, who is this Ford dealership owner? Is that true? It could be, honestly. That's the guy's name that is, owns the Ford dealership in like where I live. It's sure. Michael Kelly. Okay. Michael Kelly went to patreon.com backslash talking giants. And if you go there, you have the chance to hear me say my emotions before the show a million different times. And then I will say it on air anyway. But you get to hear it before everybody else does when you go to patreon.com backslash talking giants. You get to hang out one. Uh, Watch us while we record the shows live. You get to chat with us. Bobby will send you a magnet in the mail. And also, uh, twice a month, there's some uh, shirt raffles for a free Talking Giants shirt. Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. We'll be live this Sunday after the preseason game. All right, we're done begging for money. The Giants made some trades. So let's go with the big one first and the one that's probably the most important. The Giants traded cornerback Isaac Yadom. Don't get to mispronounce that name any further after this podcast. Very excited. For Josh Jackson. Um, and this came after the Keon Crossan trade, which we'll talk about after this. Which is a weird move to both. Like, they're both the exact same age. They're both 25 years old. They're both in the same draft class. So, they're both in the last year of their contract. Josh Jackson was a second-round pick. Yudon was a third-round pick. Neither one lived up to their draft slot. And just a player-for-player player trade, which is, you know, I always, like, I kind of want to know, like, what the negotiations were like behind the scenes. You know, like, you know, just trading a player, a position for position. I'll, I'll read the advanced stats, and we could just kind of talk about it. Uh, and Josh Jackson, and uh, 331 snaps, gave up 74% of passes, 23 for 31, 285 yards, a touchdown, zero interceptions, you know, uh, 37 to 60 on, uh, on a li- almost double the snaps. 
61%, so a much better completion percentage. 480 yards, so the yards weren't um per like, you know, play weren't much different. Six touchdowns he allowed and zero interceptions. Um before we get into Jackson, I was I like Isaac Yom, you remember I voted for him as the most improved player of 2020. Like I th- I just thought he was he was the worst starter on a good defense. Um and I did view him as good depth, but I think I think Josh Jackson is more like we can play him in man coverage and we don't necessarily need to hide him in a cover three scheme. And, you know, so I, I think they're very similar in like talent level. if like just cornerback versus cornerback. But I think that had something to do with it, Justin. Yeah, I'm very, very curious. And maybe we'll I'll try to ask this to a beat reporter as camp kind of continues slash unwinds eventually. Is Patrick Graham, has Patrick Graham said anything or has he alluded to the fact that he may want to play more man and more aggressive this year? Because this trade is another sign. There's been a lot of signs between the Giants signing Adoree Jackson, the Giants drafting Aaron Robinson, and now basically trading Akana for Akana, as Dave Gettleman says, trading two corners that you know, in retrospect, if you're not looking at the schematic point of things, and if you're just looking at, well, a corner for a corner, does that make any sense? Well, it does make a little sense if you do think, and if you have the theory, that Graham does want to play a little bit more man and a little bit more aggressive this year, where you're playing man coverage on the back end and then blitzing up towards the front seven and being more aggressive on that side of the field. So it does make sense, and also it makes sense from the standpoint of, this guy was this guy not a second-round pick, former second-round pick? Who's had some highlight worthy plays and he just has more higher has a higher upside than Yadam? Right? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. And and I do think when you're just looking at the advanced stats, you know, stats don't tell the whole story, especially at corner. Uh you have to remember that Pat like Patrick Graham is known for like a big part of why we like him is the way he was able to hide cornerback too, which was a weakness in Isaac Yadam. You know, so like yeah, you know, you don't wanna have a player where you're just kind of catering to him. Now I did view Yadam as good depth. You know, and but Adore Jackson was obviously a huge upgrade at that spot where you don't have to hide him. He's he's a good player. So uh, I, I watched some film. Uh, it was broadcast angle, so it's it was a little harder to to watch, especially with corners. But Josh Jackson, he's just got more experience in man coverage, and like he was giving up some catches, but he was a lot closer, um, especially on crossing routes, than Isaac Yadon would be on any man cross. I mean. They didn't play man. The Giants didn't play man coverage really. Like they ran no. man coverage, like one, like one of the bottom teams in the NFL in man yep. coverage, like thirty percent of the time, I think. Yeah, and yeah. a big part of that was Isaac Yadam. You know, like that was a huge part of it was because they had Isaac Yadam as a starter, um, and then obviously Ryan Lewis and Corey Ballantyne in other games. So I think they just view um, Josh Jackson as better depth, who can be, a, who can if Adore were to go down. You can put Josh Jackson in and not have to totally go back to, all right, we're playing this cover three, Ben, don't break defense. Yep. And also a little important point that's probably very minute, but it's somewhat noteworthy. Patrick Graham was the linebackers coach in Green Bay in 2018 when Josh Jackson was a rookie in Green Bay in 2018. Ten pass breakups that year. Now, he didn't have a good year, but he did have have, make some plays. So I think that's a little bit he really does. I'm telling you, Graham does value guys that get past deflections and force incompletions. Where I almost feel, and again, I, I say it a million times, where I almost don't even feel like Graham cares that much about how many times you're targeted, but are you going to allow a big play and can you force an incompletion? And if you can, you know, even if a guy may perceive to be open by a quarterback, but if you can make a play on the football, Patrick Graham does not 
mind it. If anything, I think he he welcomes it. So with with Jackson, I do view him as the first cornerback off off the bench now on the outside. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, which Isaac, you know, him was that before, you know, and I think there was a lot of Rodarius Williams hype because he was having some good practice reports. But I think that first preseason game was like, okay, yeah, Isaac Yudom is is much is is ahead of Rodarius Williams, you know, um, and Darnay is just not going to play outside corner. You know, he is a nickel corner; he's not going to play outside corner in the NFL. If he does, it'll probably you know put your biggest wide receiver on him and, and throw the ball up to him because that's that's how you win versus Darnay. So yeah, uh, as far as playing style, like I said, he's pretty good on the release. Uh, doesn't have the greatest speed or or agility, you know, so he can like. He can he can have like good coverage, but on a crosser, it's like he kind of stands no chance against some of the better receivers. Uh, I was watching him versus DJ Shark a little bit, where it's like it's like he didn't play. This wasn't a horrible rep, but he did give up a, a pass and man coverage on this one. Uh, he has zero interceptions in the NFL, and, and like he had like a bunch in college. Like he had three versus Ohio State his, himself, and he tried to like bait receivers. I just don't think he has the speed to do that, and it just hasn't worked out in Green Bay. And, yeah, he had a bad game, bad preseason game to start this year, and I think that might have been a little bit of of the Packers wanting to move on from him. But I wonder yeah. what like a Packers podcast is saying right now. You know, like have you thought like I almost wanted to go listen to a Packers podcast, like hear what they're saying about adding Isaac Adama moving on from Josh Jackson. Because this is so strange, because a, a corner for a corner trade just straight up, it almost makes me want to say same contract, same age, like you know. It almost makes me want to say, well, what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> That's like the main question. Do you know something that I don't? And you can look at it from, you know, Patrick Graham did, you know, work. He was a linebackers coach, but, you know, you do get familiar with, with every player on the on each, at least the side of the ball that you're coaching. Yeah. I do think maybe part is like they look at their 2020s and like Isaac, you know, if 2020 was better. And Patrick Graham may be looking at it like, yeah, Isaac Adonis 2020 was better because I was coaching him. You know, not not in an egotistical way, but in a way, be like, I can make I like I would rather work with a, a guy like Jackson who I can use a little bit of man coverage instead of trying to hide all year. I feel like coaches always think that they can get more out of more out of players. Patrick Graham and Giants Joe Judge they may have said to himself, we can't get more out of Isaac Adam, but we can get more out of Josh Jackson from what he's doing in Green Bay right now. Like the ceiling was already reached for Isaac Adam, where I don't know if he improves more than what he did last year, but they may feel like, you know, coaches always feel like they can improve, especially if they, they have their guys, right? Which isn't cocky at all because they're, you know, it's a very short track record, but the track record proves it. James Bradbury, career year. Blake Martinez, best years, even at Green Bay, were with Patrick Graham. Isaac Adam, bet you know, became like a, a guy you can put out there and not be a total liability. You know, so like it's it's not, I don't think it's cocky for them to feel that way. Yeah. What was interesting though, kind of to maybe transition us, what was interesting though before like they made this move, because it was not until the Giants made this move that the first move made sense that they made earlier in the week. Here's something we need to abolish announcing half of a trade. Cause it was just like the Giants are trading Isaac Yadon, and it's like, whoa. For what? Like we need that we need to abolish reporters announcing half of a trade because that's right. just not fair. But anyways, the Giants also made a trade the day before. They sent the Texans a 2023 six rounder, so they still have all ten of their draft picks for this upcoming draft. For Keon Cross and cornerback, who spent the last two years with the Texans, uh, and then one year with Joe Judge in, in New England. 
the scouting report for him, I watched some film on him. One, he's just got crazy speed. He's got four two speed. Like he'll he'll blow you away. He and he is like a from what people say is an impact player on special teams. Now he started four games last year at the end of the season for the Texans. And I watched him. And he's not good at corner. He's not. Now, to be fair, they were putting him in press man. Not maybe not press man, but like tight man coverage. And just like every rep, the Texans were like doing it. And he was just He's horrible versus the release. Like, he was getting killed off the release. And you even look at some of his advanced stats. Like, I watched the Titans game. It's like they had three drops where it should have been catches on him. Um, and, and then one should have been a touchdown. And Ryan Tannehill just totally underthrew Corey Davis. Um, so, he's he like, he plays tight man. And, and, you know, we can, you know, apply the same argument that Patrick Graham can get more out of him. But I don't view him as a guy who's really brought into play corner. Like he'll be he'll be corner and he'll be corner death, but th- I think this truly was a special teams move. Like Joe Judge even or Dave Gelman even brought it up when he was asked about you know the trade. Like he brought up special teams before he brought up anything with Keo Crossing. Yeah, and I, I, that was honestly if if you're waiting to hear us talk about the whole Mara and Gelman pressers, I honestly thought, and I think Bobby and I we both agree, the most interesting, noteworthy part of the Dave Gelman presser was. Him talking about Keon Crossan and giving insight as to actually what role he provides, which it is mostly special teams, but also, Bobby, a note that I had following the Jets preseason game, coming from the, you know, the Robert Solok and, you know, the Jets coming from that 49er Shanahan mentality of outside zone schemes, defensive backs in the corners were allowing a lot of depth in the run game where they're making plays six, seven, eight yards down the field, and that's not what you want. This guy. Dave Gellman mentioned Keon Crossan is going to be a guy that is going to provide line of scrimmage value at the line uh, at the line of scrimmage value as a corner. He did mention that. You know, is that going to be a, a way where you're going to get a roster spot? You know, I don't know, but we'll we'll certainly see. And I thought that was the most inter- interesting part of that Dave Gellman presser, giving like insight as to what Crossan's role is going to be. Yeah, if, if he does play corner, you know, like they're going to try and use his speed. I just don't think he should play corner. Yeah, so I, I I view this as a special teams move. Now, can we um can we use this as a, as another reason that Nate Ebner doesn't come back, Justin? Yes, I would love that. What do you think about trading a six round pick for a special teams player? I don't like it. I'm sorry, I just don't. I know we you know we joke about not talking about special teams on the podcast, but you know we couldn't have found someone to do that to do that that role. You know, I mean- wait to, wait till cut downs and stuff. Like, you know, I, it's only a six-rounder, so it's not like, you know, something to be outraged over. But I still, like, I just don't like the idea of trading away a draft pick for a player who's not going to play on the, like, like special teams isn't a third of the game. It's like 10% of the game. Oh, you don't. Know, if that. Don't tell Because kickoffs, kickoffs don't really count anymore. They all go through the back of the end zone. Kick returns a little bit, but that's not what Crossland was brought in for was kick returns. It's basi- It's essentially special teams are the punt team and field goal team. And Cross is not going to be on the field goal. It's he's brought in to play on the punt and punt return team, you know. I mean, so it's he, less here's than ten percent of the game. Here's the other side of it, though. Would you rather the Giants? You know, Giants took Gary Brightwell in the sixth round this year, right? So it's basically you either trade for this guy who you see something in him and he's already productive in what he's doing, or you draft Gary Brightwell. Yeah, but also we didn't really like the Gary Brightwell pick because he he's not even going to be one of the top three running backs. Correct. And also, but their look philosophy... at 2020 as an example. We got two two players out from the seventh round. 
Carter Coughlin and Tate Crowder. Like those are both guys who are going to make the team and be players out of the seventh round. And then the right. sixth round pick, Cam Brown, was we were just praising him for being the like, is this guy going to be a gunner? You know. But they clearly prioritize it. Like they Joe do. Judge is willing to spend a draft pick when he only has six of them. You know, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, they're willing. They're willing to do that. So if they're going to do it, then you might as well trade that pick away and you know, get somebody that's valuable that they know can do it for a fact. I wish they would have used this year's pick for the trade for Keon Crossan instead of drafting Gary Brightwell. Fair. Yeah. Because Gary Brightwell kind of looks like a wasted pick at this point. Are we going to yeah. carry four tailbacks and a fullback? No, he he's probably going to have to start off the year on some sort of list or we're going to have to cut him and hope he makes the practice squad. Because he's a bad receiving back. He's a bad blocking back, you know. He's a decent, like he's a decent runner. He's nothing you get excited about, you know. So, it, like that one, you know, that was the one draft pick where I just was like, I don't really like this at all. Yeah. Um, you know, like you can make cases for and against every draft pick. I just really couldn't make a great case for Gary Brightwell, and so far in camp, it, it looks like that. I'm I can't believe it. I'm defending special teams. This is like for the past week, I've been like breaking it down. And now I'm like kind of defending. Like I, Joe Judge is rubbing off of on, on oh us. Oh my god, what is going on with me? But maybe they truly view, like that's why I said like I hope that's why I was like oh okay they're trading Isaac Keon Keon Cross and they do view him as cornerback depth. But we'll see. And again, maybe not. they do view him as cornerback depth, and I'm an idiot. So we'll see. Um, crazy. More, more corners. More corners is never a bad thing. You know what they say? You can never have uh, enough corners. Connors. You can never have, have enough Connors. Um. You know what else you can never have enough of, Justin? Money. Money. Pacquiao, who, I mean, this is money grab at this point. Pacquiao versus Ugas. Ugas. Uga. Is this weekend. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook, has a knockout offer for the fight. Knock you out. DraftKings is offering 100 to 1 odds on a punch being landed at any point during the fight. Which, this is a good bet, because it's not Mayweather dancing around the ring. I kind of like Mayweather. Just pick the fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sports will give you 100-1 to 1 odds on a punch landing during the event. That's right. Bet $1 on either fighter, and if a punch lands during the fight, you will cash in $100 in free credits. I'm going to watch this fight. There's no better way to put your boxing knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sports app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 to $100 in free credits when you place... When you bet on either fighter to win and a punch is landed during the fight, place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code John Boy to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You know Danny's gotten me back into fighting. Physically fighting people? or No, like, like watching like UFC and, and boxing, you know. Because I can like, see I, Danny influencing you both ways. Yeah. But uh, I used to only watch the big fights, you know, like uh, the big events. Now it's like, there's like if there's like a moderately sized fight, I'm watching it because of, uh, you know, Danny King and his ESPN Plus uh, account. <laughs> um, Danny King also gave me his Disney Plus account that I have yet to log into. We also Thank you, use Danny his King. PFF, we use his PFF account. Danny's the account guy. <laughs> I guess he is. I have a draft network account that we that only I use, but I give you guys the passwords for. Actually, Danny uses it too. All right, Justin. Uh, any anything else going on the next week that we should look out for? No. Before we kick it to Dan Duggan. No. Um, I'm excited. I'm gonna say something. 
I'm talking about your announcement. I was actually saying. I was... Oh, yes. I'm going to save my apprehension about the team for maybe for another time. But yes, so this upcoming week, next week, and the two exact dates are August 25th and August 26th, Wednesday and Thursday. Snacks and I, Nikki Snacks, co-host of Bleeding Blue and friend of the program, Nikki Snacks and I are headed up to Foxborough, Massachusetts. Thanks to Manscaped, by the way. Thank you to Manscaped. They're helping us uh, pay for the trip. Wouldn't happen without them. We are going up to Foxborough, Massachusetts to see and witness, watch, react, and talk about the two joint practices between the New York Football Giants and the New England Patriots. So we're going up there. Snacks and I will be up there for a couple days. And uh, couldn't be done without Manscaped. So thank you to Manscaped for making it happen. Do you plan on getting in any trouble? It is a goal of Snacks and I to be asked not to come back to Massachusetts slash New England. I need a Justin Pennick mugshot to sell merch with. Okay. Like, we need to get you arrested for something. Like, like do, like, resisting arrest without violence. That's a very, like, small crime. You'll spend the night in jail. You get your nice little mugshot. And it's like nothing will really come out of it. And I don't know, in Massachusetts, I, I got to do it in a state that doesn't have bail. Because I am not a flight risk and because I don't have a previous record, I probably would just be released right away. I didn't realize, you told me that the other day, that, what, New York or New Jersey doesn't have bail? No. So if you That's don't insane. have a record, if you don't have a record and if you're not a flight risk, then you could basically be arrested and then most likely released. Yeah, no bail. That's crazy. Um, Just wild. Uh, but I need a Justin Panic mugshot badly. So. Okay. Snacks and I are going to have a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so you guys will be doing stuff, videos. We're going to be live streaming after both practices. On YouTube. So the practices there are 10 o'clock noon. What do you think? We should live stream like 1.30 maybe? Or I don't even know what I, I don't even know what times they were. Are, are they those times? I believe they're at 10 o'clock. So which, they 10 a.m.? Yeah. The hell? Bro, the rise and grind. <laughs> That's not even that early. You're acting like I said 7 a.m. Um, so it'll be uh, interesting. Maybe you can call into like WEEI. WEEI. Maybe maybe Tim from Florida will call into WEEI. I would love that. Uh, so we'll we'll see. All right. Um, Dan Duggan of The Athletic. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome back onto the program of The Athletic, New York Giants beat reporter Dan Duggan. Dan, one, how are you, and how is how is your time in Cleveland so far? <laughs> I'm good, yeah, just wrapping up here. Uh, the later practices out here, so a little later finish. Uh, I haven't even been to my hotel yet. It was a nice uh, 4 15 wake-up call to, to get out here today, and uh, it's been a pretty action-packed, uh, fun first day. Uh, I got a few more days out here in lovely cleveland berea area yeah where is it looks like when the giants players were coming off the bus on their social media posts it looks like they were in like some like summer camp like village almost yeah i mean i don't know we're doing this on video i know the podcast listeners will be screwed but i mean i'll show you like there's like literally a house like right outside if you can see that there's like a house right outside their practice facility i guess this must be relatively new and they're literally trying to like buy the block and just like bulldoze these houses so they can really like make a big um facility but it's really kind of like wedged in a little neighborhood here. Um, definitely kind of a random spot for it. Yeah, it looks like it has some like those like little portable classrooms that we used to have in high school. So <laughs> that's interesting. 
I but we'll we'll get right into it. And this has been the topic of you know the Giants so far in preseason and training camp. The depth on the offensive line, which you know, funny coming into camp, you know, I had a talking point. It's like the depth is actually all right. The issue is the depth is so close to the starters. You had like um, you had over three hundred starts out of your backups, but then Zach Fulton's gone. You know, Looney's gone. Uh, Kenny Wiggins doesn't look great. Is there going to be a trade or or what for an offensive lineman? Because Joe Judge, who usually doesn't let you guys in on a ton of like behind the scenes stuff, basically said like, "Yeah, we're adding somebody," but they haven't added someone you know since then. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a little out of character, like you said, for him because he really just like heavily intimated they're going to add somebody. Um, so I think that they're just sort of hanging back right now because you know, listen, they had a first round of cuts where everyone cut basically the you know bottom five players on their roster. Um, so it wasn't like there was going to be a flood of great talent in that round of cuts. Uh, next week, there'll be another five guys. So again, you're still not really getting into the guys who are you know really fighting for roster spots. So, you know, if they add one of those guys right now, is that going to be any better than Kenny Wiggins or Jonathan Harrison? Probably not. Um, and then, you know, as far as a trade, I'm sure teams around the league aren't really eager to, to dispatch if they have a little surplus of offensive line talent right now, because listen, we're still a couple weeks away from the season. There's really no reason to rush a trade. And, you know, say like, you know, the Cleveland Browns are a good example. They have a pretty deep offensive line, but what if Joel Batonio gets hurt or, you know, Jack Conklin gets hurt? Well, all of a sudden you don't want to say, Oh, well, at least we got a you know fourth round pick next year by, by giving up some of our depth. So I think teams are going to hang on a little bit, um, maybe try and drive the price up by waiting closer to the season. Um, so I think really, uh, the sense I got from Gettleman was more, they're probably waiting till after final cuts, unless someone really quality shakes free. I mean, they knew who was on the street right now, obviously not, nothing that got them uh, to act. So I think that, you know, that's how it typically goes after the cuts of 53, there is a little more quality out there. Um, but then, you know, we're talking depth. It'd be hard to sign somebody, you know, a week or two before the season starts and expect them to start. Um, so I think that's probably part of why they feel like they can be patient because there'll be more talent to come uh, in a couple of weeks. Any insight on Austin Ryder? I know that kind of, you know, died down after him visiting a couple of weeks ago and he visited with some other teams. Is it just simply like he wants more money than the minimum and like a starting spot guaranteed or what? Yeah, I don't I don't really know fully from his side. I can't say I've done a ton of, you know, digging on that. You know, I definitely saw that he visited and then I think right around the same time they signed Looney. So it kind of felt like maybe that the Giants had moved on. But yeah, I mean, he hasn't signed anywhere. So it's pretty logical to conclude a guy with his resume is probably E. A, waiting for, you know, more of a, a assured starting spot or probably B, just a little more money. Like, you know, if the Giants say, hey, I'll give you a veteran minimum contract, you might say, well, why am I going to jump at that to go be a backup? I can wait. Someone gets hurt. You know, all of a sudden, you know, the Logan Ryan type situation where um, the demand goes up, the price tag goes up. So uh, I would assume he's a guy that will sign, you know, a week or two before the season when the team is a little more desperate. Um, will that team be the Giants? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but you can't close that door completely because I haven't heard one way or the other there. Right. Well, the trade they did do was uh, Isaac Yadam for uh, Josh Jackson, which I still think I I mispronounce his name every time. <laughs> what was one? I'm I'm fascinated by how that just that conversation goes when it's both two guys the same age, same position, both expiring deals. How you try and sell that to the other team when there's like, oh, well, we think this guy's better, but we want him. Like what was? Do you know what the reasoning behind that was? Because Yadam, I thought was just a bad. He was the worst starter on a good defense, and was viewed as good depth. Is it? I mean, I guess it sounds simple, but is it simple as they just thought Josh Jackson is was better or better scheme fit or what? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you got a good front office and pro personnel department, they should be making these phone calls and talking to their friends and you know people in the network all around the league. So you know, I assume they have to be kind of blunt with each other. Like, listen, you know, 
maybe they said, Hey, I like Yadam. And maybe they said they like Jackson. I said, well, listen, it's not gonna make our 53. Like, let's talk here. And, you know, clearly each side, you know, liked the other guys, you know, a little bit better than what they had. But I think, you know, basically you're looking at neither team was going to keep the guy so they could cut him or they can try and get some value. But it is weird. You don't usually see like kind of depth guy traded for depth guy. You usually see more at the key on cross and where it's, you know, a future late round pick, even when Yadam, uh, the trade first broke. We didn't have the terms. I was like, oh, you know, probably like a seventh round pick like they got for him. Like they gave up for him last year. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a little surprising. Um, presumably, you know, Pat Graham was in Green Bay. So, you know, all roads kind of lead back to some connections with a lot of these moves. Uh, he was there for Jackson's rookie year. You would think he has some idea of, you know, a way that maybe he can fit him in. Uh, but there's no guarantee he makes the roster. But I just think that they must feel like he has a higher upside than Yadam. And, and Joe Judge even said today, so everyone was giving Yadam um, a good opportunity to make a team because they probably knew he was not going to make it here. I guess he was a good guy. Um, so give him a shot to catch on with the team that likes him and, and give him a few weeks to, to make an impression. Right. Does the cross and trade give Giants fans like myself hope that Nate Ebner is not coming back? Or, is, or, or do we just need to live with that, that he is coming back whenever he's fully healthy? <laughs> I think if it's like a cloudy day, you take that as a sign that Adebner might not be back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I've done like, I've, like there's been like five different moves this offseason. Like, does this point to Nate Ebner not coming back? Right. I mean, I mean, again, you know, Judge uh, pretty much on the record said like we have a spot waiting for Nate. Now I don't know where exactly he is on his rehab, um, but he's not a guy who needs to you know get in here and be in the playbook. You know, I mean, he's done this stuff for a million years. Not a very complex role, so. Uh, I would assume as soon as he's healthy, there is a spot waiting for him. I think maybe crossing would be either insurance or just, hey, you can have two good, you know, specialists. Um, but no, I, I think the only question there is Ebner's health. If, if he's healthy, uh, it's abundantly clear that they want him back and he will be back. But I don't know, maybe it's a, a Kyle Rudolph situation where we all think he's closer to being healthy than he actually is. And, and maybe it doesn't happen uh, before the season. But my, my gut still says he'll, he'll be back here and he'll be running down kickoffs uh, on opening day. Right. So you mentioned Rudolph. He, he hasn't practiced Aaron Robinson. He hasn't practiced either. Um, I, and I'm just going heavy with the cornerback questions. It's like my least favorite position to talk about, but I'm hitting you heavy with it. Is the IR or pup or whatever to start the season likely? Cause it, I mean, especially for a rookie, it just seems like he's not coming back anytime soon from the outside. Yeah. I mean, listen, I have to play, you know, armchair you know doctor where I'm just looking at what guys are doing and, and he's just doing so little on the side that as a rookie it's hard to figure he'll be up to speed and ready to play in week one so then it gets to a point of just roster wise does it make sense to carry him on the 53 um you know I think they put these guys on pup for a reason it's sort of insurance that if guy isn't ready for week one you can just leave him there for the first six weeks and he doesn't take up a roster spot that has a little less appeal now where you have the IR rules where it's only three weeks so uh, if they think he'll be ready before week six, maybe they carry him on the initial 53, then put him on IR, and he's, you know, looking back at week four. So, you know, you know, losing quite as much time. Uh, I think that's probably even more likely with Rudolph, again, assuming these guys are even that close. I don't know. I mean, they don't do anything at practice. Like, there's guys on the side who are running and doing conditioning and stuff. Uh, Rudolph and Robinson do very little of that. I mean, they do some. Um, so maybe they're going to need the six weeks from the pup anyways. But I, I'd be very surprised just based on the work that they have or have not done uh, either one of those guys is ready for the start of the season. So then it just becomes sort of juggling the roster and, and what makes the most sense in terms of kind of stashing them, but getting them back with, you know, as much of the season left as possible. 
So speaking of, I mean, <clears throat> Tor Lolo got hurt. Rudolph's not there. You know, we were prepared for them to carry four tight ends. Now they have two who were basically lost the rocks with Ingram and Caden. Who's like the third guy that's kind of put himself ahead to be like, if Rudolph's not ready to go week one to make the roster? Yeah, it's definitely been Cole Hikutini. I, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's it's a mouthful, but and it's funny because he looked terrible like the first week at camp. He watched like he just was dropping balls and, and just didn't look good at all. And then all of a sudden, Tololo goes down, and, and kind of someone had to be the next guy. And, and he has a history of Jason Garrett a little bit from Dallas, so he was sort of the next guy up because the, their other tight ends are all super young and really like no NFL experience. Uh, and he's looked pretty good. I mean, he's not you're not gonna say, oh my gosh, how do they discover Cole Hikutini? But uh, he looks like a serviceable third tight end which is you know really all you're looking for um, but he's been banged up he left the first preseason game with a hip injury I was focused more on the defense today They're, you know they got two fields going simultaneously so you can only see so much but uh, some of the reporters who are watching the offense reported that he left uh, today uh, hobbled so I don't know that that position is, is mighty thin uh, not a lot of experience obviously you're hoping and expecting Rudolph coming back at some point uh, but you, I don't think we thought we were sitting here in August I'm like Levine to Loilo being a uh, a significant injury but it just goes to show how, how quickly depth can kind of disappear in a position uh and that, that's certainly a position if if Rudolph isn't going to be ready you could see them probably you know scanning the waiver wire cut down day you know Tim Tebow's out there there's plenty of uh plenty of I'd be down out. for it I don't even care this the chaos would be fun at this point for <laughs> oh my gosh uh but no but yeah you know, serious no yeah I mean that that's a position where you would think maybe they, they might have to bring a guy in just at least to hold him over um until Rudolph is ready Nate Solder looks like he's slimmed down. I feel like he could just be the fourth tight end or, or whatever they want to use. I, th I think he did that in college a little bit. Yeah. Um, going back to the O-line, if they do want to add someone who, you know, I'm not going to spend like 10 mil a year, you know, but if they want to add someone, they're really low on cap space right now. They already restructured Bradbury and Blake. Leonard, you know, like they're most of their, some of their most recent big contracts are new are just signed. What is something they could do to finagle the cap if they really wanted to? Yeah, I mean, I'll have to really look into that. I was more plugged into that in the offseason. It's kind of faded a little bit. I mean, there's guys – like, when I mean, Yadam was a guy who actually had, like, a higher salary and had him take a pay cut. Um, like, a guy like Dante Pettis is, you know, probably counts, like, one and change. So, if you cut him, you, you save a couple hundred grand. Um, but if – so, you know, you can do those types of moves. You know, a veteran that maybe is on the bubble, you cut, you, you save a couple hundred grand. Maybe that starts to add up. But if you're talking about – trying to make any sort of splash they i mean they have like no room right now like two and a half million uh, any sort of splash you'd have to do it a restructure and again you said they've already kind of exhausted the obvious options there you know logan ryan sterling shepherd those are the guys who have kind of big money that you can move around but do you really want to be you know moving uh you know big money down the road on a 30 year old safeties contract or shepherd who a guy who you know i think he's a, he's a good player he's a good piece but they have some flexibility with him down the road do you want to kind of bite into that uh so that that i think that's you know, sort of where they're hamstrung here. Like, yeah, you can keep signing veteran offensive linemen like Ted Larson to, to veteran minimum contracts. That doesn't move the needle, but I just don't know how they, they can move the needle because they just really don't have much to offer, um, you know, quote unquote quality offensive linemen. Not that there's a lot of those around either. Yeah, it's kind of, I actually watched Ted Larson's, he played half the game versus Washington in the playoffs and he gave up two sacks and I was still like, <laughs> better than Kenny Wiggins, which was just depressing <laughs> uh, to, to see. Uh, but he's my player to watch for this this next preseason game. Oh, just overall, how has Jones Jones looked in camp? Because it's you know, um, you guys aren't allowed to post a bunch of video, and you know you get mixed mixed reports. Some people say he's great, some people horrible. Usually, this probably means he's in the middle. Like, how do you 
if you were like a, if you were a fan there, how would you feel about Jones going into year three? Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, I, I sometimes I come out of those practices and I see what other people like tweet, and I'm like, wow, I feel like I wasn't watching the same practice. I mean, I had to laugh though. The other day, he got like people talking about how he had like six touchdown passes. They were literally doing one-on-one drills from the five-yard line. <laughs> like, yeah, you should probably rack up the touchdowns <laughs> in those drills, but that, that's a topic for another day. Um, but I think he's been fine. Like, I, I mean, I can't sit here and give you like this rain endorsement. Like, oh my goodness, he looks like a different guy. Like, he's just carving it up every day. And he also has been terrible. You know, it's not like he's throwing it to, you know, interceptions every practice and just looks lost. He just, he looks fine. I mean, he, I, my thing on him is from rookie minicamp on, he's always looked the part. Like, you know, he looks good, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of cliche, it looks good in shorts and a t-shirt. Um, you know, he throws a good ball. He's again, he's not throwing picks left and right. The question is just how is he going to handle a live pass rush when it's, you know, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in week one. And, you know, we don't know that answer. Can't know the answer. Um, today, again, I focus on the defense and I saw other people reporting that the offense looked pretty good at times. It didn't look good. The two, those two periods where they brought the whole team to one field, um, and, and went at it and he didn't look great there, uh, through an interception and the other boy, well, actually the other series wasn't his fault. Slayton had a drop, the defender made a good play on a, a deep ball to Angram and there was an incompletion to Shepard where he was tightly covered. So I, I saw six offensive plays and one of them was a completion. One of them was an interception. One of them was a sack and three were incomplete. So it wouldn't be a great report for me today, but that's that's only six passes I, I saw. And it's tough to do like the daily uh, updates. I mean, I think you kind of know what he is at this point. You want to see him take a step forward. Um, but if, you're, if anyone's thinking he looks drastically better or drastically worse, uh, I mean, no. I mean, he's, he looks more or less the same. You just hope that, um, you know, on game days this year, he eliminates some of the kind of backbreaking mistakes. Uh, makes a few more big plays based on the, the you know the scheme or the talent is around him and 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 that's kind of what you're looking for. I don't I don't think anyone should expect to see like some dramatically different quarterback uh, take the field this fall. Someone who should help him is Kadarius Tony. What are they hiding about Kadarius Tony? Because it it just doesn't make sense that he's taking this long to, to like they seem like they kind of had ramped him back up and then it's like they've almost shut him down the past week. Yeah, and that one's been weird. I mean, like. Judge have been pretty tight-lipped on that. Um, I've, I've heard it's still kind of related to the COVID, which is strange. I haven't, you know, I haven't, like, fully, like, nailed that down. So, we're just, we're just, just me and you talking here. But, no, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know that he had a, you know, a pulled a hamstring or some, you know, um, injury. So, I don't know if it's just a conditioning thing where he had to quarantine for 10 days and um, that set him back and maybe he's starting to build up and, something felt tight. I don't know. I think it's all still related to the COVID though. Um, again, I don't think he has like an acute injury where he like pulled something. Um, I could be wrong in that, but it was very strange because he, like you said, he was ramping up and then he, he really uh, slowed it down and really hasn't done anything now. Now he's back, you know, with the rehab guys on the side, just, you know, doing some running and stuff. I mean, he looks fine. Um, again, that's why I don't think he has like a really significant injury. But, yeah, I mean, time's ticking here. And, and you kind of hear from not so much Judge, but talking to Thomas McGahey, talking to Jason Garrett, talking to Tyke Tolbert when, when they spoke to the media last week uh, or earlier this week. You kind of sense a little uh, frustration, probably just trying to worry about, like, let's go. Like, it's kind of hard. You know, you're asking me about this guy. We haven't seen him do anything. So it's kind of hard for them to say, oh, we're going to count on him. Uh, I think the plan always was to bring him along slowly. But, I mean, I think it's going to be even slower now. I mean, it's, he's going to be uh, very slowly probably working this offense, very, you know, small packages to begin. And then you hope by, like, midseason maybe uh, things can expand. But I, I would definitely temper expectations just because we just 
haven't seen anything to indicate, uh, you know, otherwise really at this point. Right. Yeah. It's from the outside in, it's just like, I, it's like, I have no clue what's going on. Um, <laughs> I'll finish off with this. Why do you think the Browns are like the best run organization in the NFL? <laughs> um, you know, you just think they're so great. What's the deal with that? I can't believe it took this long to get to this. I thought when you I said figured we wait till the end and, you know, uh, I think when you said the story of the day, I thought it was going to be my mentions this morning. Cause yeah, I really haven't, I haven't really got the juices flowing. Like, I feel like, you know, the Giants fan base has been kind of milk toast this camp. And I, I guess I, I poked the, uh, the hornet's nest. I think it's just good. You know, everyone looks at the Browns, like the Browns, but like, it's objectively true that in 2018, the Browns had the first pick, the Giants had the second pick. If you measure the two teams since then, I mean, the Browns have done a better job. I didn't even know that that was like considered a take. Um, and I mean, obviously the Giants have been a more successful franchise over the last two decades. Over the last, you know, however, back to the Paul Brown days have been better since then. Um, and maybe the Giants will be better this year and the Browns will crash back to earth. But if you just look at how the teams have built uh, the last you know couple of years, I know a lot of Giants fans want to throw in 2017. Yeah, sure. I mean, they got Miles Garrett. That was huge, huge guy to add to your team. But they also won one game over that two-year span. So it's not like they had this really great foundation to, to build around. So, yes, Miles Garrett, big piece, definitely an advantage. Um, but the Giants have had some high picks, and they haven't you know found any Miles Garretts or really even a, a Denzel Ward-type um, impact player. So Browns, have, I mean, I went through their whole roster, and they've drafted really well, and high picks helps, but you're still going to hit on those. They made really good free agent signings. Like Jack Conklin was, you know, not thought of as like this – um, big time signing, I feel like, and I think he was the first team all pro last year. Um, you know, they made the trade for the guard, uh, Wyatt Teller. Uh, I, got, I got that right. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was home run trade. I mean, they traded like a fifth and a sixth to get him in a seventh, and he was like playing at a Pro Bowl level last year. I mean, they've just done a really good job. And, and again, like I'm not basing this on like my gut feeling. I mean, they won 11 games last year. That's good. <laughs> the Giants won what six? That's not very good. So uh, I, I didn't think that was gonna um, stir up the fan base, but you, you never know. It's good to see the passion coming back. Though. I feel like. Uh, things have been a little too quiet, so it's good to get get the juices flowing. I know, especially like we didn't get to see much of the starters in preseason, so it's it's always good. Well, we got a we had a little passion going with um the beginning of like the you know this, I think it's just every training camp we're gonna do the is Joe Judge a tyrant um you know <laughs> week in the media, uh, and that used that doesn't come from you guys. That's always just like a national thing. Uh, right, so that, yeah, that was that, kind of, got, that kind of felt like we're doing this again. Like yeah, because I feel like last year I think even the local guys at first were kind of like, whoa. Uh, but I didn't feel like, yeah, the local beat really jumped onto this year, but still it, it gained legs. And it was, it was, you know, it fills, fills some of those, uh, those segments on first take wherever else. Cause it, yeah, it still, still gets the, gets the people fired up, I guess. Yeah. I, I like seeing, you know, the Giants fan base just galvanized versus the national media. I, I, I jump in on that when, uh, when I can, I, I like to, I like to get on your guys' side for the most part. Um, but it, it was good. Dan. Thank you for coming on. Where can uh, people find your work? I know the athletic, you guys are always offering good deals and uh, you always put out good stuff. Where can people find you, follow you and uh, read you? Yeah, definitely athletic. And I'm just guessing here. We'll probably have some sort of promotion for the start of the football season. So definitely if you're, if you're not subscribed already, I'd stay tuned. And then certainly Twitter, you can, you can find those, you know, skip Bayless S takes on the Browns uh, D Duggan 21. Um, I'll be out here for the joint practice on Friday. So a good time to follow along. We, as you know, I kind of mentioned during this, we can shoot more video here. So uh, a little more content coming your way and uh, yeah, we're getting down to the, to the nitty gritty. So many seasons starting before you know it. So definitely uh, jump on board with Twitter, with athletic and uh, my, my semi regular current appearances on, on this podcast.
Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I'm asking all the beat guys to babysit Justin the snacks next week in New England. So, uh, you know, help help us out with that. You, you know, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. All right, Dan, thanks. All right, thanks a lot. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, thank you to Dan Duggan for coming on to the program as Always, and before we get talking about a mini, 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 mini Cleveland Giants preview, we got to talk about Roman. Now that the world is opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon, Bobby Skinner. And whether you've been in a relationship for years, fun fact, I actually am the reason why Snacks and his girlfriend of a long time broke up a long time, uh, about last year, or you're just excited to get back out there and meet new people. When the moment comes, you want to be ready Roman ready. Go to getroman.com slash jamboy now to talk to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional. If you have some ED problems, get that taken care of, fells. Fells, you want to get that taken care of. Getroman.com slash jamboy will help you out. You get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and the privacy of your home. Getting started is simple. Go to getroman.com backslash jamboy. Take care of your ED. Don't even leave your home. Don't leave your home. I wish I didn't leave my home today. I went to the Bronx. I had to get something. I stayed for too long, and I wish I never left home. We're not. It's 9.30 at night, and we're still recording a podcast. Go to GetRoman.com backslash John Boy. Make sure you're ready and you have the confidence to end the summer and as we head into fall. Roman ready. Thank you, Roman. Get your man. Okay. So the Giants play the Browns on Sunday. A Sunday 1 o'clock preseason game. When's the last time the Giants played a, like a day preseason game? I remember Never. the Bills game was started in the day and ended at night. Never. Uh, a few years ago. But it's been a long... Like the last time I watched a, a Sunday day preseason game was I remember Tim Tebow on the Eagles. Fun. Like, I'm going I'm to watch Tim Tebow. All right. So we're, we're doing uh, our, you know, our, our four players to watch. Well, you should do one offensive, one defensive. And I think because we're going to expect the stars to play a little more, like this is very important. And I wanted to do Matt Parrott as one, but I'm going to do a different offensive lineman. Ted Larson. Mm. Now this signing we kind of brushed over because it was it would happen on the day of a fan fest. You know they had him out there, and then we're getting ready for the preseason game, and then we're recapping preseason game. And so this kind of got you know overlooked because he didn't play in the preseason. But Ted Larson is 34 years old. He started 88 games in the NFL. At left guard, center, and right guard. So he's moved all over. Um, didn't play in 2020. And then the, in, in December, the Bucks signed him. The Bucks signed him on the practice squad, but they were, they were bringing him up to the active roster with the new practice squad rules. He played in one game. He played in the second half of the wild card game versus Washington. Now, I'm going to say this. He looked better than what Kenny Wiggins looked like versus the Jets the other night. Here's the issue, Justin. He got swam three times by Deron Payne. And gave up two sacks. Maybe one you could blame on, on somebody else because it was play-action zone and it could have been the tackle's fault. But it was bad. Um, but in the run game, he looked much better than Kenny Wiggins. And even the pass game, giving up those sacks, he looked better than what Kenny Wiggins did. Um, so, and, and like I said, he was thrown in there. Didn't you know get to start that game. So, Ted Larson is my guy to watch because somebody needs to step up on the backups. As of now, there is no backup interior offensive or backup guard. Jonathan Harrison, I think is a fine backup center. You know, we'll hopefully we'll get to see him on Sunday, but 
Right now, Kenny Wiggins can't. He's with the starting lineup because they're probably going to take it easier with Shane Lemieux. But Kenny Wiggins can't be the first guy off the bench. And maybe they'll add somebody, but at this point, they haven't. So Ted Larson is my guy to watch to step up and show that you can be a competent backup. I'm not expecting him to be a good football, like a good player, but just be a competent backup because that Kenny Wiggins is not. Um, and I, like I said, he looked better than what Kenny Wiggins did uh, last week. You know, in a, in, in a playoff game versus a very good defensive line in Washington. You know, like I said, he got swam three times, you know, one and a half sacks. I could say you gave up, but like he didn't get beat besides that. You know, like he handled himself well versus the bull rush. Like in the run game, he was doing like working his combos well and getting to the second level. He looked a lot more, didn't look a lot more athletic, but he looked at more athletic than Kenny Wiggins. So somebody needs to step up on this interior offensive line. Joe Looney retired. Zach Fulton retired. Kenny Wiggins ain't it. So Ted Larson, you're 34 years old. You got 88 career starts in the NFL. You are now the second most experienced office alignment on this roster. Step up and, and, and show that you should be on an NFL roster and make it to where you're not cut on uh, two weeks from today. Yeah, if Larson can kind of show out and have you know some good camp practices and some good preseason appearances, then maybe the Giants' task of finding interior offensive line depth slash help gets a lot easier when it comes down to we're cutting down to 53-man rosters because that's really when I do anticipate whether the Giants make some sort of trade but the fact that they are cap-stricken may prevent them from making a trade, or they're just going to be very, very active when it comes to when the rosters are cut down to 53. I am anticipating that almost no matter what, but Ted Larson can make the conversation or can make the effort maybe not as, not as much as an emergency, which is a goal. So Ted Larson, good player to watch out for. Uh, my offensive player to watch out for is going to be Cole Hicatini. Cole Hickettini, he got hurt last week against the Jets with the hip injury. He also got hurt on Thursday's practice versus the Browns, so he may not even play, but I hope he does play because, yeah, the starters are going to play a little bit more this preseason game, Bobby, so we may see a, a healthy dose of Evan Ingram and Caden Smith, but right now, Cole Hickettini is third on the depth chart when it comes to our tight ends. Levine Toilolo is out for the year, and Kyle Rudolph is still hurt. So Cole Hickettini, there's a chance where if Rudolph is starting the year off on some sort of list, Cole Hickettini is going to make this team. Dan Duggan talked about him in the interview earlier. Jordan Ronan, we, we talked about him. Um, him last week with uh, Cole Hickettini, how the dude has just kind of been everywhere and he has been getting some situational first-team reps. So if he can play on Sunday, show out. Hopefully we get more a little bit more consistent quarterback play too. So let's see it, big dog. Yeah, he um, he he ran that like Caden Smith, like, you know, tight end, you know, H-back role in that power O play. You know, the nice Corey Clement run. He was he was the lead blocker in that. And he didn't do as good of a job as Caden does, but he, he, he did a good job. So yeah, Cole Hickettini. I remember when they signed Cole Hickettini and Zach Rosenblatt was like, I'm waiting for the Bobby Skinner film breakdown. And I gave you some like stats on it. Like all of his catches in his career on third down, they all came versus the NFC East. When he was with the Cowboys, it was versus the Eagles. When he was with the 49ers, it was versus the Cowboys. Um, so yeah, Cole Hickettini. Hickettini Martini. All right, defensive player. Now I switched this. I was going to go with Tay Crowder because I'm like, Carter Coughlin hype is real. We talked about Carter Coughlin last week. Hold off the Carter Coffin hype. So Tay Crowder is a guy to watch for me. But here's mine. Aziz Ojulari. I'm going with a starter. Aziz Ojulari. Jedrick Wills. I think Mikai Becton is a better player than Jedrick Wills. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Mikai Becton. Mikai, besides that one rep, 
that Aziz won, Makai Becton handled Aziz Ojolari, you know, but just that's Makai Becton, you know, he's, he's big as hell. He's athletic and he's, you know, like he's a, he's a mountain. They call him Mount Becton for a reason. Jedrick Wills can be beaten, you know, like I want to see Aziz Ojolari. Jedrick Wills is only in his second year. Aziz Ojolari. I want to see him win some reps for Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills can have embarrassing reps. They didn't get noticed as much because, you know, one, the Cleveland was a, a pretty good team last year. Uh, and, like, he started off pretty good. But Jedrick Wills is very capable of having bad reps. So I want to see Aziz Ojolari win win a few reps versus Jedrick. Like, embarrass him on one rep. And I'm not talking about, like, that play versus Mekhi Becton. That was a good rep. It wasn't an embarrassing rep. But, he, like... Set his ass up outside and bam, hit him inside. Jedrick can do that. He can overset. So Aziz Ojolari, man, if you're going to, you know, you're going to be a starter. Jedrick Wills uh, should be a really good tackle in this league, but he is young. You're both from the SEC. You led the SEC in sacks. Uh, go out there and go out there and grab a sack versus Jedrick Wills or versus Jack Conklin, who is not the greatest pass blocker in the world. Yeah, that. Lorenzo Carter apparently had a really good day on Thursday, which I love to see. You know, there was a clip where he was chasing down Baker Mayfield, and he would it would have been a a would be sack. So having Aziz go out there and have a good game on Sunday is kind of key because especially he's been a little bit quiet. Obviously, he made that really good play um, against uh, Makai Becton on Sunday, and he had that one good rep. So Aziz Ojolari, let's do it. My defensive player, I initially was going to say Raymond Johnson, but I changed it. Because we already talked about Raymond Johnson. I think Raymond Johnson's going to stand out no matter what. But let's go to the secondary. Madre Harper just had um, Josh Jackson was just traded here. And Keon Crossan. Two corners rated to the roster this week. Madre Harper, kind of got the guy on the outside looking in right now. Because you have, you know, your starters. Um, Aaron Robinson, obviously, may start off the year on some sort of pup list. But Rodarius Williams is a draft pick. And when you add two corners, Harper may be on the outside looking in. And I've talked to, I actually had somebody come up to me in the parking lot last week, which was kind of uh, absurd. And he's like, I like to look at cornerback play. And I was a cornerback myself. And I like Madre Harper. He's a physical guy. So go out there, have a good game, Madre Harper. I guess I'll be looking out for some secondary play he's this a savage. week. He's a savage. Um, go out, have a good week. He's also a name searcher, which me and Mr. Chicken found out. Shout out, Mr. Chicken. And then he deletes his tweets right afterwards. Marjorie go. Harper. Um, so, yeah, Marjorie Harper, just an insane human being. I love him. You think he's going to cut, get cut or make the roster? I'm leaning right now towards getting cut, but go out there, have a good game, and got a pick. Show us something. Yeah, I want to see an interception really badly. Like, we should see some interceptions in preseason football. So, let's get an interception. And first Baker Mayfield would be beautiful. How about that? Um, so get it, get us an interception. This like I want, I want to see a more exciting preseason game. Like that, that Jets one sucked. That was a bad preseason football game. And you know, in 2019, every single preseason game was exciting. You know, there was plays on offense and defense. That one was the most boring preseason game of all time. So I want to see some excitement. Um, so I'm looking at you, Brian Lewerke, your new QB, wearing number six for the New York Giants. Uh, I'm looking at you, Mike Glenn, and hell, I'm even looking at you, Daniel Jones, too. And that, you know, Daniel Jones, go out there and look good. You know, this, we're not relying on practice clips. We're going to see some actually film of you. If, yeah, I think he's going to play. So, um, Daniel Jones looked good. Speaking of Marjay Hubbard being a name searcher, Curtis Riley is also a name searcher. Yeah. He can go away for all I care. 
Want me to go at him? Why not? What should I reply to him right now? He is the most self-centered. He is the most self-centered, egotistical maniac (laughs) that I've ever come across in my entire life. And egotistical, and he's not even good. Yeah, I know. That's the like I'm. I'm an egotistical really person. I'm an egotistical person. I view myself very good at what I do. He he's terrible at what he does. Yet he is so self centered. What should I say back to him? I think I think you should say exactly that. You are terrible at what you do. Yet you are one of the most self centered individuals I've ever come across. That's, now, that's a at least too what serious. I would say. It does. That's that's what I would say. That's not you. That's not your vibe. That's not your voice. How about just I will smack you? There you go. That's better. That's your voice. Does he have like a brother or something I can make fun of? So uh, uh, I'm not going to give. Is context. he still a free agent? I hope so. His banner picture is still his fucking picture. Oh, excuse me. His banner picture is still his picture with the Giants. So loser. You've, you've no, been he's on, on the Bucks right now. Oh, you've been on three NFL teams. You can't find a new banner picture. All right, I'm gonna say no. I said no. It's tough for you getting cut every time, or, or getting cut around this time every year. Around this time every. Every year. Hope it works out in Tampa. All love. So it's going to be like a very backhanded compliment. Oh, good. I He's like too that. stupid to even understand it. There you go. I'm not feeding into him. And I refuse right. to feed milk into my mouth. All right. That's an episode. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday. Uh, recapping the preseason game. We appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go big boo.